0: Hi there, I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. Welcome to Revival. This is a podcast where we talk about living a life of faith, walking the walk of faith. I need one more adjective. <laughs> is that an adjective? Running. adverb? Running the run of faith, running the race. Of, but what is that? The run the race that's set before you? Hebrews. Oh,
1: yeah, there's that one. Philippians chapter 3.
0: Yeah. Anyways, whatever you're doing with the life of faith, we just talk about principles that we think are reviving, ones that, um, man, just the thrill of being a person of faith, the grittiness of being a person of faith. I feel like being a person of faith is simple, but not easy. I heard someone say that once, and do you think that's true?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We go through conference talks every single week that kind of base the discussion, and uh, we're excited to jump into one today. Before we do, there are three things I want to tell you about. That I'm super excited real fast. This does not count as part of our 25 minutes. I just want everyone to know so it goes <laughs> a little bit longer. We promise to stay only at 25 minutes, but we have three things I think you're going to be really, really interested in over the goodnewsbrandco.com co.com, or you can go to the Instagram page and click on the links. You'll find it. Two of them have to do with conference. And it's awesome. We've kind of adopted this phrase more than a weekend. How do we keep conference alive? How do we keep the discussion alive? How do we remember the things that, that were taught? and obviously these podcasts are one of them another one is we created this thing we're calling a zine it's called 60 north you're gonna die because that's the address of the conference center 60 north temple so that's the name of the magazine and it is a just a beautiful way to display some of the promises principles one-liners challenges of general conference you can just lay it out on your coffee table and it's just there all for the next six months it's so awesome And then we also have something along, it's in the same family, as that they're called conference conversation cards. And you just flip one every single week. They actually match up with the schedule of this podcast and Inklings and the This Is Kingdom One. And it'll have a a one line from it that's so intriguing. They're really beautifully designed. You put it out above your sink or by your door. And then there's a little conversation question at the bottom. So maybe once a week for your scripture study, you talk about conference talking and just remember one of the things that was taught. So- Those are so awesome. And then the third thing that you're so excited about is our new Advent. It is Luke 2, the story of Luke 2, one day at a time for the whole month of November. So the Advent is that anticipating, awaiting Christmas, awaiting the coming of of Jesus. And we're taking the Luke 2 story just one day at a time, one verse at a time with a little question to consider. It's Christmas time, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So... Those are things I wanted you to know about because we're good friends. Now, let's jump into Elder D. Todd Christofferson's talk.
1: Okay. So, Dave, I don't know about you, but in the mission field, did I cut you off?
0: No. Okay. Always, but no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in the mission field, I think the most common concern I heard when I was trying to share the restored gospel with people is didn't have anything to do with the word of wisdom or tithing or chastity or anything like that. I think the most common thing I heard was people would say something like, I don't think it really matters what church you belong to as long as you're a good person,
0: right? Hmm. Did you hear that a lot on your mission? I was in Korea and I didn't understand what people were saying to me. <laughs> so I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, in Korea they had an analogy that they would use actually, okay. and it was a mountain. And they oh. would say there are so many. They would legit get out a napkin or a piece of paper or wherever we were, and they would draw the mountain and they would say there are many paths up to the top of the mountain. So it doesn't really. They're like you take back then we were Mormons. So they were like, you take Mormon path, you know, (laughs) and I'll take this path or or whatever up to the top. So essentially, same idea, right? Yeah.
1: And it's hard for us as Latter-day Saints because in one sense to sort of make sense of that for other people when we try to explain our position on that. On on some level, we believe that God can work through all faiths and peoples to eventually lead them back to him. And and he can use faiths and then someday teach them more truths and give them opportunities for further ordinances and Right, whether in this life or in the next
0: yeah because i actually if somebody said that to me or when they did i don't know what i said as a missionary i feel like i've gotten i would be so much better of a missionary today <laughs> than i was back then so i don't know what i said but if someone were to say that to me today i would actually tell them 100 percent. you are correct and true and that is noteworthy and praiseworthy way to think that yes like that shows a universality of that god's really big and his hand and heart are over all things like that is, hundred percent true. Now the I guess we come to the questions of like okay, what are the are there levels of truth? I guess you know like what's something that's,
1: yeah. And it's I, I think I think uh, one way to say it is like they have truth, they have truth in their tradition right now. But what the restoration is trying to do is say, hey, here are some things that have been restored to the earth that are essential for the full blessings that God has to offer, something right. like that. Right. Yeah. you know what I mean. And so. Whereas we don't want to come across sort of dismissive or patronizing of, of other people's faith right. and say, Hey, yeah, you know, but on the, on the same level, we have to claim the uniqueness of the authoritative claims and the revelatory claims of the restoration.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's really easy not to be any of those things simply because the truth of the restoration came to me as a gift. I uh, was born into it. Some people stumble upon it and you're just like, that's. It's like that those parables that Jesus gives of the treasure in the field. Yeah. Right. It was like, oh yeah, you may have accidentally found it, but you didn't like invent the treasure. You didn't like make the treasure was already there. You found it. Right. Right. You stumbled upon it, whatever it was. But so there's there's nothing like that. I just feel like but as a recipient of it, I do feel an obligation to let other people know about what it is. Right.
1: And if someone were to ask me, what are some of those key differences, we could spend here all day long talking about that. But I think one of the things I would say is I would emphasize what Elder Christopherson talks about in this talk, which he simply calls the sealing power. This is one of the things he says at the beginning. I speak of the prophet Elijah, and it is the authority and keys he restored that I want to speak about today. The power to validate all priesthood ordinances and make them binding both on heaven and on earth. The sealing power... Is crucial for gathering and preparing a covenant people on both sides of the veil. So, right there, Elder Christofferson, he clarifies maybe what could be a common misconception about the sealing power. And he explains that it's not just about sealing couples together, that's a part of it. But the sealing power is bigger, that includes that, but it's bigger than that in the sense that it makes all ordinances both a matter here on earth and in heaven. They're what give it its efficacy both here on earth and in heaven, right? Yeah. The narrative that we teach is that Jesus gave these keys to Peter, those keys were lost,
0: and then they've been restored in the latter days. Which I love that he quotes a scripture from the Doctrine and Covenants, which says, it may seem to some to be a very bold doctrine that we talk of, a power which records or binds on earth and binds in heaven. Like, it's to an out, to somebody who's hearing that for the very first time, I hope it seems a little preposterous, right? Right, that, yeah. Like, I can't officially do something that's binding in France, right? <laughs> like, I can't, like, sign something here in the United States and say, okay, this is actually, va- number one, I have no authority in the United States. <laughs> but then to say, like, and it's also authorized in the countries of France, Belgium, and Luxembourg, you know? Yeah. And for someone to be like, you are not allowed to do something like that but to go one step further than that and to say this is binding on earth and also in heaven is it may seem to some <laughs> to be a very bold doctrine that we talk of mm. that there would be such a such a power yeah. on the earth and, and i want to say i know guess why i'm i sent my son off on a mission <laughs> you know because i was like it is it's really bold it's a big deal that we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, I love that. And we live in a culture and a time which has basically rejected all forms of authority and really rejected organized religion on a lot of ways. And the bold claim of the restoration is this, what if there's actually God's authoritative power on the earth, but it's not used for evil or darkness or to control? Mm. What if it's used to bind and to bless and to bring healing into people's lives? Mm. What if there is an organized church that's not there to take away our individuality, to erase our own thoughts and feelings, mm-hmm. but rather there to actually sanctify us, make us holy, make us better people. It's sort of this interesting counter-cultural claim that the restoration is in, involved in, uh, that that we uh, are here to teach and espouse yeah. to the whole world.
0: That was beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Second, I think it might be worth saying that there is a... That line that is used in the first section of the Doctrine and Covenants, the the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, that sounds preposterous. And if you're defining it as the only church with truth, then you'd be wrong. Right, right. But this sealing power is actually what that line is talking about. This is the place that God has organized. In ancient times, it was a family, Hmm. right? The family of Abraham. They will house that power and authority to bind on earth and in heaven. That's where you will find it is in that place. And today you find it in the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It houses it and it calls, there's a, a trumpet call to the world. This is come here. This is where it is. Like, this is where you find it. We send people out with authorization, you know? So right. it's not like it's being, what do you say? Just like kept in, yeah, kept, right? You know, Insular, yeah. right. But yeah. it's like, I think it would be important to say that's what at least in major part, I would say what the Lord means when he says the only true and living church on the face of the whole earth. It certainly
1: points to that as, as one of the most significant elements that we would claim would differentiate our church from other churches. In fact, in, in connection with what you just said, Elder Christopherson says, What was the object of the gathering, the people of God in any age of the world? The main object was to build up unto the Lord a house whereby he could reveal unto his people the ordinances of his house and the glories of his kingdom and teach the people the way of salvation. For there are certain ordinances and principles that when they are taught and practiced must be done in a place or house built for that purpose. That's actually Elder Christopherson quoting the prophet Joseph Smith. And so when we talk about this gathering into this church, into this organization,
0: and specifically what is that leading to? It's to the house of God, to the temple. And I would say maybe even more Specifically gathered to a covenant relationship with God. Right, right. Not so much, we're not being gathered to necessarily a place or a, a building, church or right. a building yeah. or an organization. A membership is like, it's a little bit too, like, it doesn't IRS capture the, for me, right? <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> capture the grandeur. Right? right. Yes. And you're being, yes. ga- what you're being gathered to is a place that's authorized to bind you in a more official and holy way to God the Father and the Son and also to each other, Hmm. each other here, and then each other both directions. But I think the key part of that is it does something with the relationship. It moves a relationship to another place. Yeah.
1: And this is in connection with that relationship. This is also another area of, of theological difference. And the reason why I point this out is not to claim that we're better or that we have more worth than other people, but really to say like, hey, this is what the restoration has to offer. This is what it uniquely has to offer. And one of those key differences is actually a claim about human nature that not just a little bit, not just kind of, but one of the central underlying theological claims of the restoration is that humans are built for relationship. Hmm. And even not just with God, but ultimately in families, and communities, and eventually the whole human world is designed to be in this unique sealed relationship. Elder Christopherson, he says this, without the ceilings that create eternal families and link generations here and thereafter, hereafter, we would be left in eternity with neither roots nor branches. That is neither ancestry nor posterity. It is this free-floating, disconnected state of individuals on the one hand, or connections that defy the marriage and family relations God has appointed, on the other hand, that would frustrate the very purpose of the earth's creations. And so for Latter-day Saints, uh, love of God is central, but right after that is loving family relationships that can then be sealed
0: together through temple ordinances. That analogy of neither roots nor branches just makes you think then you would just be a rock, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? If you're just like a stump that is there. And I think it's it's not that's not a threat. That's actually just a a description of like, okay, you can either live as a stump or you can have this living, like something can be alive in you. I mean, I, I all I have to do is think about my experiences in this world. And the things that I thrill me the most are my relationships with other people. Right. For sure. Right. Like I've felt it. I've like lived it. There's something about My relationships with other people. And I love all people like that I pass on the street and that I would meet in line at the grocery store or on an airplane or something like that. Like, I think that's fantastic. But there's something more about a kind of relationship that's like binding and requires commitment and faithfulness and sacrifice that just enriches that kind of relationship in a way that it bears fruit.
1: Right. Absolutely. Let's say someone says, you know, they have these, someone may say like, okay, this is great. The ceiling power, it binds people together. Exactly. What does that mean? And what does that look like? Get like real practical. How does the ceiling power affect me every day? So Dave, I have this Google doc, it's called favorite quotes. It's a very short, exclusive list of favorite quotes. Whoa. Can I share one? Yeah. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Okay. You may. (laughs) This is from president Faust.
0: I love this quote so much. It's, oh, I know which one you're gonna do. This is it's one of the all time best. Because like, okay, before you read it, let me yeah, just set this up where please, I remember please. the time you shared this with me. Okay. Where I thought there's something too sealing to ancestors and, and to children that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Where I'm just sort of like, on one end, I want to say, why? Why why do you just why do we need check, to do this? why do you right. have to actually do that? Right. Like, what is it that you it feels like checkboxy? To me, mm. right, and you're just like you. You have to, you know, go to the temple for people in the past. Like why? It's like they can't be saved without you, and you can't be saved without them. And I'm sort of like, I'm having a really hard time having an emotional connection to something like that because it just feels purely legalistic.
1: Yeah, the present false quote we'll we'll fix I know, that. Right. So
0: that's just <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'm telling everybody right, right. who's listening that this was a conversation that I had, you know, with Stefan where and I'm still unanswered on a lot of this. Like definitely there's something about because I do think, anyways, we won't get into
1: we should sometime though. We why should why God
0: might like legalism. But
1: yes, we should sometime. I think yeah. that would be important
0: and helpful. Okay. But yeah, it would be, it would be, yeah. But I was like, there's gotta be something more to it yeah. than that. Okay, now. Are you ready? Now, welcome, you guys, to (laughs) 2010 when I had this conversation with Stephen and he shared this quote with me. Okay. This is President Faust.
1: It's from a talk or something, Father's Mother's Marriage. Okay. Perhaps we regard the power bestowed by Elijah as something associated only with formal ordinances performed in sacred places. So, in other words, perhaps we think the sealing power only has to do with the sealing ordinance. Okay. But these ordinances become dynamic and productive of good only as they reveal themselves in our daily lives. So, right there, President Faust says, the sealing power is supposed to do something to us every day. Mm. And then he, uh, he continues, Malachi said that the power of Elijah would turn the hearts of the fathers and the children to each other. The heart is the center of the emotions and a conduit for revelation. Right there, you could just like have a whole conversation on the depth. There's something about our hearts that is this the center of the emotions, and it's also connected to heaven. This sealing power thus reveals itself in family relationships, hmm. in attributes and virtues developed in a nurturing environment and in loving service. These are the cords that bind families together, and the priesthood advances their development in imperceptible but real ways the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon thy soul and thy home as the dews from heaven. So the same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, that split the Red Sea, that created the world, takes hearts and binds them together and makes love authentic, deep, and everlasting.
0: What's the line right before the end? Because there's a phrase that he used that I tried to remember, but I got so caught up at the end of it.
1: These are the chords that bind families together and the priesthood advances
0: their development. That's That's the key. Yeah, To me, that's a, a line that you're like, first, when you were reading it, I thought this, the sealing power has the ability to change a heart. It can have an impact on the heart. And the word that's used in scripture is that it will turn a heart. Oh, so beautiful. (laughs) Right. And it it makes me feel like a physical turn, but there's something more about like, my heart has been turned. My heart has been changed. My heart has been, something has happened to my heart. And that I think is what is so rich about what he is teaching.
1: Yeah. And it works from the assumptions that as humans, we just don't have the willpower to be as good enough as we need to be in creating love of God and love for others. And so what the sealing power does, at least in part, and the best I can tell from what President Faust is teaching here is it's a way to choose to have God's holy sanctifying influence in our family relationships. It's the official way to, in, to use our agency to invite that into our family relationships. And it's so powerful and
0: strong that it lasts forever. Yeah. It makes me want to say this. If my kids were to say to me and Jenny, why did you go get sealed in the temple? Mm-hmm. I think I would say, well, because marriage is difficult for everyone. Like trying to create a living, happy, whole relationship is difficult. It's a difficult thing to do. So we took our marriage to God and said, will you please bless this? Mm-hmm. Like, will you please bless Turn it, change it, touch it like Jared's stones. Will you light up this relationship for us? And I think that is what he's teaching there. That And for that sealing power to be that same sealing power that does that with every ordinance, it just makes me now think, You said something earlier, like, so then why do we do... Because the sealing power makes it possible for us to do things on this earth that can impact the other side of the veil. But
1: efficacy on the other side. Right. Right. So
0: we can now participate in ordinances for other people. So now what we can do is for and behalf of other people say the same thing. God, will you please bless this life? Will Mm. you please touch Mm. this journey of mine? And that same power can be presumably you said earlier, experienced for marriages and people on both sides of the veil.
1: Yes, absolutely. I I love that. Okay, thankfully, Elder Christopherson, he goes and and he gets real authentic with us for a second. This is what he says. Some have experienced unhappy and unhealthy family circumstances and feel little desire for an eternal family association. So we just talked about this grand, awesome beautiful vision. And now Elder Christopherson, thankfully, is going to say, okay, but what about the complexity of life? He's going to quote Elder Bednar uh, saying this, to you who have experienced the heartache of a divorce in your family or felt the agony of violated trust, please remember that God's pattern for families begins again with you. One link in the chain of your generations may have been broken, but the other righteous links and what remains of the chain are nonetheless eternally important." You can add strength to your chain and perhaps even help to restore the broken chains that work will be accomplished one by one so we don't believe in the kind of god that says mm, sorry other people made bad choices therefore you can't have as many blessings yeah that just is unjust unfair at the heart of the restoration i mean what article of faith 2 says we're not held accountable for other people's for adam's transgression right yeah. and that applies to all circumstances and so as long as we remain faithful and do our best to keep the chain connected to the generations, somehow, someday, God will make it right.
0: Yeah, there's two lines in here that are just... One of them says, No other theology or philosophy or authority can match such an all-inclusive opportunity. The sealing power is a perfect manifestation of the justice, mercy, and love of God. So I would take that to mean, if I do not see in living color the justice, mercy, and love of God in the way I understand the sealing power, then I don't quite understand the sealing power. So that would be a way to know, like to gauge, am I understanding this or am I viewing it correctly? And if you don't see justice, love, and mercy in a an all-inclusive way, then you haven't quite, or one other word he adds in paragraph 15, hope. There ought to be hope in the way that you see and view the opportunities associated with the ceiling power, like those have got, those are part of understanding what it even, what it is. And so obviously there's, I mean, he says that in here, that an imperfect present, we live in an imperfect present, and that the reality, this is not a reality or even a realistic possibility for some. We, we should understand that and then should say like, okay, this ought to give, fill me with hope. That to fill me with mercy, love, justice. I had understand all of those things.
1: Yes, I love that. And I'm glad you took the time to quote that last part. That's extremely helpful. Elder Christopherson, he finishes the talk by saying this. Uh, speaking of the sealing ordinance, this is the ultimate step in gathering the covenant people. It is the highest privilege of your membership in the church of Jesus Christ. I promise that as you faithfully seek that privilege in time or eternity,
0: it will surely
1: be yours. That's a beautiful promise. Yeah,
0: It makes me think about that line President Hinckley said that he quoted where he said, I've said many times that if nothing else came out of all the sorrow and the travail and pain of the restoration, then the sealing power of the holy priesthood to bind together families forever, it would have been worth all that it has cost. Hmm. And I would say the same about Jesus of Nazareth, that he would say the same, that the price paid on the cross to be able to bless and bind and sanctify people to their God and to each other was worth all that it cost for that privilege and opportunity to be given to the human family. Yeah. We often
1: will say things like, Jesus loved you so much that he went to the cross to redeem you, and that's beautiful and true. But he also loves us so much that he wants us to be able to bring our families with us to live in his presence forever. And I cannot think of any better definition than heaven, than being in the presence of God and his son, the Holy Spirit, and those who are nearest and dearest to us.
0: Yeah. Sealing power says, no one left behind. Right. Is what that is. That's reviving. All right. See you all next week.